Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We just read in, in Matthew that there was a star that led some wise men to Bethlehem to see Jesus. That was their compass, if you will. It was leading them, guiding them, directing them to Jesus Christ. We saw in Luke chapter 2 that angels just showed up with a bunch of shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus. And it said there that the glory of the Lord shone around them. So again, we see a light that was shining, that was guiding and directing people to Jesus. And here in John chapter 1, this is what John's gospel starts out with. We'll start with verse 1. It says, And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. This, these first few verses here, John is speaking of Jesus. He's saying that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And he's speaking of Jesus as being the Word, and he's saying that Jesus was in the beginning with God. We know that God has no beginning. You can't go to the beginning of God's life and, and, life and find his starting point. He has always been. And don't try to wrap your head around it because you can't. He's always existed. He has no beginning. And Jesus was with him in the beginning. And he says here that he was life and that life was the light of men. And so we see that we had a star in Bethlehem or a star that was guiding wise men to Bethlehem with a light. And then we saw that the angel of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, shone around the shepherds as a light, leading them, guiding them, telling them where to find Jesus. So here we have smaller lights leading them to the light. We have a light leading men who are lost, who are living in darkness, to the light. Because Jesus is the light. Right here we see that John calls him the light of men. Go on to verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he's not uh, talking about himself now. He's talking about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Verse 7. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. That all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That means he wasn't the light that Jesus was, but he, was came to, he came to tell people about that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. They didn't even comprehend the world. When, when Jesus lived among man, they didn't even know what was in their presence. 
Remember when Jesus was asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? Only one of them spoke up out of 12. And these are people that have been living with him constantly, day in and day out, 24-7. Spent every waking moment and every sleeping moment with Jesus. And only one can answer. And then Jesus tells him, and you didn't even get that on your own. You got that from my Father in heaven. Because you don't even know who I am. When Jesus was in the earth, when he was among man, they didn't even comprehend who he was. Earlier when we saw that verse uh, up in verse 5, it said did not comprehend. That means several things. One, it means they didn't recognize or understand who Jesus was. That word comprehend also means uh, that the darkness cannot overtake the light. The darkness couldn't overtake it. And we know that's true. You've been anywhere in the dark, as soon as you bring a light into the darkness, the light wins every time. You can't, you can't turn up the darkness so much that the light goes down. The darkness is based upon how the light is shining. Okay? So let's keep going. Verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, that word is also the authority. That word right means authority. He gave them the authority to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now watch this in verse 14. And the word, we've been talking about the word this whole time. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Obviously, John is speaking of Jesus. We have been doing this series on the gift. And it turned out a little different than I had imagined, but that's how God works. I will be willing to bend and be flexible with whatever he wants to do, because this isn't my church, this is his church, and what he wants to say, he'll say. And we've been talking about the gift, and I had said from the beginning that uh, when we talk about gifts, and we, when we celebrate this time of year, we're usually looking at receiving gifts, and we all know what we received from God. But I said that when we started this series on the gift, I wanted to focus more on the gifts that we bring. What are the gifts that we have? And we saw in the first week that God gave us a gift to empower us to be a gift. God gave us the gift of his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God sent his son here as a gift to us. And we all know this, that whatever you do with the gift determines how much you honor it or how much you treasure it, how much it value it brings to you. I've had people give me gifts that I've never used. Some I've even thrown away. I just really didn't care for the gift that they gave me. I, I had someone give me, I think I told you all, this uh, mechanical uh, tie rack that you hang in your closet and it's supposed to spin around. You just hang your ties on there. And I used to wear a lot of ties. I used to work for a bank and I had to dress up every day. You don't see me like this a whole lot because I am living in my freedom of not having to dress like this every single day of my life, except for Fridays. I get to wear my polo shirt. <laughs> so he bought me this tie thing. Well, 
I didn't really care for that. The thing that I have in my closet now, it's just this little hook thing that's got all these things that come up. That works fine for me. And I, to be honest with you, I couldn't even figure out how to get it installed in my closet. So it, it didn't place a lot of value in my life. And so that gift didn't really, didn't really matter to me. I didn't really value it. Why? Because I didn't use it for what it was intended for. If you don't use a gift for what it's intended for, if I give you an iPad for Christmas and, and I go to your house and you're using it to you know, hold your coffee mug on on the coffee table and you didn't really value the gift that I gave you because you're not using it for its intended purpose. And so God sent us a gift, Jesus, but I, I question sometimes, do we know the intended purpose of the gift? Because the gift he sent wasn't to get us to heaven. That will happen. But that wasn't the intended purpose. The intended purpose wasn't to save you out of hell. That happened. But that wasn't the intended purpose. The intended purpose was Jesus to restore man back into his original plan that God had in Genesis chapter 1 to rule on the earth, reign on the earth, and operate and advance God's kingdom in the earth. And the only way God could do that, the only way he could get us in that position, is to remove sin. So Jesus had to become sin, died on a cross for all of our sins, not just your past sins, your past, present, and future sins. Died on the cross, removed all that, and we don't have to live under the dominion of sin any longer. Not only am I freed from the sins that I did before, but I'm actually empowered to live differently the rest of my life. That's what Jesus came and did on the cross. So that's the treasure. That's the gift. The only way that I can properly honor and value the treasure that God sent to me, the gift that he gave to me, is by applying what Jesus really did to my life and using it for its intended purpose, okay? So we've been looking at that, and today what I want to show you is that you were given a gift to be a gift. The title of my message today is His Star Still Shines. His star still shines, and I want to show you how that star shines. But first of all, let's show you who Jesus is, and in John chapter 8, John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking now. We've already heard one man named John, the gospel of John, the disciple John, testify that Jesus is the light of men. Then another John showed up. Something about John's here. John the Baptist shows up, and he gives witness to that light, that this is the light that will lead you. Here's the thing about light. Light is always given to get you from one place to another. Light is always given to get you from one place to another. It's for transition. It's to get you out of one place into the other. Here's the thing about darkness is we were all born into darkness. Darkness, is, uh, when, when the Bible talks about darkness, it means a few different things. First of all, it's talking about here about sin. Living in darkness is living in sin. Darkness being separation from the light because darkness and light can't mix. God is light. Jesus is light. And we were living in darkness, which means we had no idea 
who this light was. We were living in sin. Sin separates you. When you sin, it brings you into darkness and it separates you from the light that Jesus is. It also uh, means emptiness. It's also talking about emptiness. It also means ignorance. Sometimes when you see the Bible talking about light and darkness, it's talking about knowledge and ignorance. If you come into the light, you come into the knowledge of something. If you are living in darkness, then you're ignorant of a thing. Ignorant isn't stupid. Stupid is the inability to learn. Ignorance is just, I don't know. So let's know. Let's find out. Let's come into the light. And then it also refers to moral depravity. Moral depravity. When Jesus showed up, the world was in a bad place, a very bad place. If you read, if you end the Old Testament in Malachi, you got some crazy stuff going on. You read through the Old Testament, it's just people cycling in and out of, we're in trouble, God save us, we'll live for you. We get back in trouble, then we cry out to God, get us out of trouble, he saves us, then we get back into trouble. It's just a repeated cycle all the way from the beginning. And God tried so many times along the course of history to get men out of darkness. He incorporated something we call the Ten Commandments, the law, that was to bring light to sin. The only reason the Ten Commandments showed up was to show man, hey, don't do this. But it didn't didn't empower us. Just because the law showed up didn't mean you were able to fulfill the law. Everyone in the Old Testament, they did not have the ability to live by the law and obey it. It was there to show you, don't kill. Do not kill. You know, we we ministered last week, a very touching, a very moving message last week. And we talked about what happened the weekend before in Newtown, Connecticut. And I told you what would take place. Focus would go toward gun laws. Focus would go to school safety, go to getting people better mental health. And I, and I told you last week, I don't need to know the guy's motive. I'm not waiting for the report to come out because I already know the motive. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And somebody gave his mind over to the devil, and the enemy operated through him and took out 26 people, 20 children. And as tragic as it is, we want to go to gun laws. We want to go to this. We want to go to that. I'm going to tell you today, you don't need another law. If we follow just the law, do not kill. Is the law, are the laws the answer? In fact, Jesus made it real simple. He said, you know what? I give, I, you got these 10 laws. I got one for you. I got one. And if you obey this one, you'll obey them all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He made it very simple. Because if you love God, you won't lie, you won't cheat, you won't steal, you won't serve other gods, you won't put other gods before you, you won't commit adultery, you will honor your parents because you love God. So laws aren't the answer. And I told you that last week. Those are distractions. I'm not saying in a natural realm that do we need to tighten some things up? Possibly. But it's not the answer. It's not the answer. Take every gun away and something will happen because we live in a fallen world with an enemy that is here to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He doesn't need a gun to steal. 
He doesn't need a bomb to kill. He doesn't need an abortion clinic to destroy. He's Satan, and he works through people. Okay? So that's darkness. That's moral depravity. Those are people that are blinded, living in blindness of their lives. Okay? But we see here that John speaks of Jesus as the light. John the Baptist speaks of Jesus as the light. To do what? Get people Move them from darkness into the light. Now watch what Jesus says himself. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's saying, I am the light of the world. Well, that, that's the third person now to make this statement. We've got two Johns and a Jesus that are saying, He is the light. I am the light of the world. I am here to move people out of darkness into light. I'm here to help people make a transition. I'm here to get you from point A to point B, from darkness to light. Colossians even says, Paul said that he has translated us. He has moved us, transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light of his beloved son. So Jesus came to be the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That word follow is more than just praying or a prayer. That's action. That's living like Jesus lived. When you live like Jesus lived, you abide in the light. You are in the light. Okay, John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 5. As long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. John 9, verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So it brings us to our first point. Apart from Jesus, you are in darkness. Without Jesus, you're in darkness. And we all understand that. Okay. Without Jesus, we're in darkness. He is the light of the world. He is what we need to light our way. He is the one that will move us out of darkness into light. He's the one that will bring us out of ignorance into knowledge. He's the one that will get us out of sin into obedience to God's commands. He's the one that will get us out of moral depravity into understanding God's will and God's heart and God's intentions and living that out. He is the light of the world. So apart from Jesus... The world is in darkness. We are in darkness. And the thing about being in darkness, since we were all born into it, is we didn't know anything else. How many of you uh, have ever been in complete darkness and someone just flipped the lights on like that? Did it feel good? You probably did this. I mean, if you've been in complete darkness for a while, in fact, I did it to my son this morning. I went into his room and I flipped the light on and he went, And he's got the cover thing down now. He can pull it up over his face and try to act like he's still asleep. But I know better. I pulled that one when I was his age. Pulled that one a long time, actually, probably for about 18 years (laughs) with my parents. Um, But with the darkness, when you get pulled out of darkness into light, it's instant. 
It's instant. But when you're in darkness, you don't know that you're in darkness. When you're blind, you don't know that you're blind. And before that, when Jesus showed up, we had a bunch of people in darkness that didn't know they were looking for something. You got wise men that are looking for something. You got shepherds that are looking for something. You got an entire world that's looking for something. They're looking for the light, but they don't know what that light is. That's why they turn to other gods. That's why they turn to women. That's why they turn to relationships. That's why they turn to drugs. That's why they turn to whatever, because that gives off an appearance of light, but it's not the light. It's just more darkness, because Jesus is the light of the world. So apart from Jesus, apart from the, apart from the light, you are in darkness. Now, John 9, verse 5 said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Here he's referring to leaving. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Well, what happens when he leaves? What happens when he leaves? John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 35. Then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light. Watch this. That you may become sons of light. What's that referring to? If you're a son of someone, that means you carry their DNA. You carry their nature. You carry their qualities and their characteristics. He's saying, while the light is with you, Follow the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. He's talking to his disciples here. He, and who's the light? Jesus. He's saying, while I'm here, believe in me, follow me, listen to what I'm saying, follow my commands, that you may become sons of what I am, the light. He's saying here to his disciples that the goal is, is that when I leave, you keep shining light. When I am removed from the earth, the goal is that you follow me and you keep to my sayings and my commands and do what I'm telling you to do and live like I am, and you will give off light the way I'm giving light. You will be a son of light. A son. If you have children, if you have a son or a daughter, they carry your DNA. That's why they're your son. They came from you. So to be a son of light means that they would carry what Jesus carried. Go on down a little further to verse 44. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So this light reveals something. You are lost without the light. You are uh, walking around and you don't know where you're going without the light. Light shows you a better way to live. Light shows you where you're going. Life shows you, light shows you how to get there. Bible says that the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's given me direction and guidance to get from one place to another. And then he goes on and says 
that if you follow me, if you do what I'm telling you to do, you will become sons of light. You know, a lot of people during this time of year, we say things like, Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And those are true statements. Those are true statements. But here is what we have failed to do as a church. Make the connection to who we are. This is where we have failed as a church. And this is where when we get a glimpse of this, that we'll start taking our stand in this nation, in this world, in our cities, in our communities, in our jobs, in our homes. Because that's fine and dandy to believe that Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the light, Jesus is the hope of the world. But Jesus, the man, isn't here. Jesus isn't here. He's not walking on the earth like he did 2,000 years ago. He's not doing the things that he did when he was here 2,000 years ago. He's not among us. So this is why it was so important that Jesus make it known that there needs to be sons of light. Watch this in Matthew or John, let me go to John first. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. John chapter 17 and verse 15. He says, I do not pray. This is Jesus praying in the garden before he's about to be crucified. I do not pray that you should take them, his disciples, out of the world. But that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Watch this. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. This is Jesus praying to God for his disciples before he goes to the cross because he knows his time on earth is coming to a close is growing short it's coming very quick that he's not going to be on the earth jesus is the light of the world jesus is the hope of the world jesus is the answer but the light in the hope of the world and the answer is getting ready to go to heaven and so he prays father i do not ask that you take them out of the world why because they are sons of of light as i was sent into the world i am sending them what was jesus sent to do to be the light of the world to be the light of men in him was life and that life was the light of men john witnessed it john the baptist witnessed it jesus said himself i am the light of the world that is what he was sent to do is to remove people from darkness and bring them into light. Remove them from sin and bring them into obedience to God's word. Bring them out of ignorance and bring them into 
knowledge. That was why Jesus was sent. So as he was sent, now he's sending his disciples to be the light of the world, to be the answer, to be the hope of the world. Now he's sending his disciples to bring people out of moral depravity into a right standing with God, to bring people out of sin into obedience to God's word, to bring people out of ignorance and into light. Now he's sending his disciples on the very same mission and the same mandate that he came to earth with. Now this is waking up because this is where the church has sold itself short. We say Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is, we, we, we see tragedies like what took place a couple weeks ago. And we say, Jesus is the answer. Let me just get you to Jesus. But we forget the connection between us and Jesus. Watch this in um, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Watch this. You are the light of the world. What? Wait a minute. Hold on now, Jesus. You said you're the light of the world. You said that you came to be the light of men. You said that you came to bring people out of darkness into light. You said that you came to bring people out of sin. And what, what does that have to do with me? And he's telling his disciples right here, right offhand, you are the light of the world. A light, a, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and give and it gives light to all who are in the house. Watch this. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus always pointed to his Father. He said, I'm not here on my own initiative. I'm not here to do my will. I'm not here to do what I want to do. I'm not here to say what I want to say. I'm not here to even go where I want to go. I do what my father commands me to do. He always pointed to his father. And we even just saw in a previous passage that he said that he's the light of the world so that people, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you have seen me, You've seen the Father. Now he's pointing to his disciples and saying, you're the light of the world. He said, let your light, let your light, let your light. Well, it's the light of Jesus shining through me. No, let your light shine before all men that they may see your good works and that they may glorify your Father in heaven. What Jesus has just done, what God did, is he just placed the responsibility that Jesus had on us. Watch this. We are in the earth because God loves mankind. Anyone ever ask why you're here? Why am I here? What am I doing? Why now? Why this time period? You are in the earth. 
because God loves mankind and wants to give them a light that will lead them out of the darkness. See, God loves the whole world. For God so loved the world that he sent his son, gave his son. But Jesus is back up there. So how do we get light in the earth now? We are in the earth to be the light that gets people out of darkness and get them to God. There was a star that led men to the light. There were angels that shone with the glory of God that led men to the light. Then there was Jesus, who was a light, because he said, everything I do reflects my Father. Now, there's you and I. Now we become a light to lead men out of darkness and to the light. Do you see this? God has always used a light to direct man out of darkness. It's kind of like if you're in a dark room. And you know there's a wall with a light switch on it. If you have a flashlight, that doesn't light up the whole room. But it is a light that can now help you shine your way to the light. We aren't the light. We are a light that gets people to the light. We are in the earth to get this world out of darkness and lead them to the light of God. That is why we're here. That is why we're here. That's why you work the job you work. That's why you're married to the person you're married to. That's why you have the kids that you have. That's why you have the coworkers and the employees and the employers that you have is to be an influence for the kingdom of God to help lead people out of darkness and into the light. Get them out of sin and get them into the light. Get them out of ignorance and get them into knowledge. We are the light of the world. Jesus is not here the way he was 2,000 years ago. But let me remind you that Jesus' body is his church. And that's you and I. Paul many times, Peter many times, Jesus himself many times referred to the church as his body. So yes, Jesus is the answer. When you, when you come up with, when you have someone who's, in a heartbreaking situation, you know Jesus is the answer. You need Jesus. Guess what? Jesus just showed up in the form of you. I like what Mike Huckabee said. Because people ask the question, where was God in all this? He said, well, God was right where you left him. 50 years ago, you pulled him out of the schools. Where do you expect him to be? But he said, you know what? God was there that day. God was there. God was there in the form of teachers that protected their children. God was there in the form of medical emergency staff and policemen and firemen 
that showed up on the scene and responded as quickly as they did. God was there in the form of family members and friends that were there in, in hugs and tears. God was there in the form of pastors. God was there. God was there. Because you and I are the light of the world. You see someone in darkness? It's now your responsibility to get them out of darkness and into the light. You see someone that's living in sin? It's now your responsibility to get them out of sin and get them into a better way of life. You see someone that's living a, a life completely empty, go into everything imaginable and it's not answering their problems, you're the one that gets them out of that moral depravity and into, here's a better life that my God has for you. We are the light. No more of this, Jesus is the answer. He sure is the answer, and you are that answer. You are Jesus in the earth. You have the same responsibility. You have the same obligation. You have the same mandate to do what Jesus did. You're telling me I can be like Jesus on the earth? Absolutely. You better believe it. You're telling me I can do what Jesus did? Absolutely. That's why he said, Father, don't take them out of the world. Don't take the light out of the darkness. If you take the light out of the darkness, then people down there, they won't be able to see. They're dark. They're blind. They're, they, they can't see where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. Don't take the light out. Leave the light in. He said, I pray that you keep them from the evil one. But he didn't say, all right, Father, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die and I'm going to do this thing so you can come and suck all of us up back to heaven. That's not what he was saying. He's saying, I'm going to do this thing on the cross. I'm going to die a horrible death. And I'm going to rise again. So I can empower these men right here to do what I've been doing for the last three and a half years. They will continue to yank people out of darkness and bring them into light. They will continue to show people a better way of living. They will continue to be a hope for the world, the answer to the world, the light of the world. Don't take them out of the earth. Are we going to go to heaven one day? Yes. But right now we are in the earth. And we have a responsibility and an obligation that is way beyond just sitting and waiting for heaven. It's way beyond just letting life happen to us as it comes. We have got to start looking out for the ones that are living in darkness. Well, that's a big world. What about your world? What about where you work? What about the neighbors you have? What about the friends you know? What about you start where you're at? We all have a world. And you can read about things that are going on in countries around the world and in cities and other nations, other states, and think, what am I supposed to do when there's someone that lives right next door to you 150 feet away? And they're in darkness. We are the light of the world. We are the answer. His star still shines. The star that led wise men out of the east to Bethlehem to the light 
still shining. The light that shone when those angels came and proclaimed goodwill toward men to shepherds still shining today. The light that was the light of men, the life of men, still shining today. When Jesus went to heaven, the light didn't go. The light stayed with us. We have become sons of light. We carry the responsibility, the mandate that Jesus carried. Now, here we go. First John chapter 1. How do I let my light shine? How do I do that? That sounds like a big thing, Pastor. That sounds like a, a, a big calling. I don't know if I can live up to that. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can do all the right things I need to do to be the light of the world. That sounds like a, a, a pretty big deal. I don't know if I can live up to that. First John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. Watch this. He's saying you can't say that you fellowship with light if you are living in darkness. Why? Light and darkness don't mix. They don't mix. So how do we be the light of the world? Watch this. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me, let me read that one again. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, watch this, we have fellowship with who? With God? No. With one another. He's saying how you walk with God affects one another. He doesn't say if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you'll have fellowship with him. He says if you walk in the light as he is in the light, then you will affect and influence those around you. So we need to walk in the light. Walking in darkness or light, walking in light or darkness, is determined by what we practice, not what we pray. It's determined by what we practice, not what we pray. We may have prayed that prayer, but now there's a higher call. There's a higher responsibility. There's a higher obligation to get beyond what we prayed and start practicing truth. What did Jesus say? He said, if you will follow me, you will abide in my light. You can't be the light if you're not in the light. You won't be a light to anybody if you're not in the light yourself. Something about you has to stand out from the darkness around you. That means you can't respond the same way everyone else does when they will find out they're losing their jobs. That means you can't react the same way when everything seems to have lost all hope. You are the light of the world. We have a responsibility to live life differently. And we won't be the light if we don't get in the light ourselves. You can't live like darkness. You can't do everything that everyone else is doing and pull anybody out of darkness. 
And again, this isn't a recommendation. Jesus didn't say, I recommend that you do this. This isn't an option. He's saying, hey, let me just give you a little tidbit. You know, if you fill up to it, uh, you know, this is what you can do. You can, you can be the light of the world. If you feel like it, you know, if you don't, that's all right. Hey, it's all right. There's 7 billion people on the planet. I'll find somebody to do it. No. He didn't tell his disciples, are you the light? No, he said, you are the light. There's no question. He said, you just followed me for three and a half years, not to be part of my posse and my crew, not to think you're cool because, hey, I hung out with the guy that does all kinds of miracles. I hope you learned something over the last three and a half years because now you're getting ready to go out and do it yourself. And that's the same responsibility, the same weight, same obligation he has placed on every single one of his church. That's why I say the local body church is the hope of the world. We're the answer for this city, by the way. Laws aren't the answer. Better school systems aren't the answer. We're the answer. That was my message last week. Because everyone's asking questions, but few people are getting answers. Very few people are getting answers to the questions they're asking. Where was God? Why would God allow this? Why would this kind of tragedy happen? Why five-year-old kids? You know why five-year-old kids? Because the devil doesn't care. He doesn't care who he picks on. He doesn't care who he gets. And we're talking about five-year-old kids. Let's go on down to the ones that aren't even born every time an abortion is taking place. Millions in this nation are taken out. And we make a big deal that uh, for 20 kids that got five years. We got to wake up, people. We're the answer. Better gun laws aren't the answer. Because here's the thing. If it was the answer, it would stop. Now, we're, we're, in, we're in containment mode. Let's try to contain this thing as much as possible. Let's, we're, we're losing a grip on this. We're, we're losing a grip on our nation. We're losing a grip on our schools. We're losing a grip on our kids. Because we're the answer. Because the church isn't step, stepping up. And the church is asking the same question. We're asking the same question. And then we stand up in front of our people and say, you know, I, I'm not going to act like I have all the answers. I don't know all the answers. I know all the answers. If I don't know it, I know where to find it. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm, I'm not going to act like I know all the answers. You shouldn't either. Nobody can figure these things out. I can figure it out. There is a devil, and we live in a world that is fallen, that is not fully redeemed yet. Jesus one day will come back, and it says that death will be swallowed up, but it hadn't been swallowed up yet. And then you look at the things that are taking place in our nation. Are we seriously surprised? Are we surprised? My cut could be made that statement. I didn't even know he talked about that. I didn't even know that before last Sunday. I told you last Sunday I didn't want to preach that message. I told you that. I didn't want to go there. Two days after, it seems soon. But then I realized something. I'm actually late. That message ought to have been preached maybe a week before. Maybe I should have preached that one on Thursday. Are we, is it too soon? Are we really? When you put God back where he belongs, 
But no, that's too much to ask. Let's just, let's just worry with the distractions that are at hand. What am I saying? I'm saying we are the hope of the world. We're the answer, people. We're the answer. That's why in the month of January, every Tuesday night, beginning with next Tuesday, January 1st, we will be meeting here from 6 to 9 p.m. to be praying for this nation. And I expect people there. You don't have to come for the whole three hours. You can come for an hour here or you can come there. If you've got stuff going on, you can come after or come before, whatever. But I expect people here because we're the hope of the world. How do we start? Pray. The Bible says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do we believe that or not? Is it in the Bible or not? Is that a true statement or not? Most of the time we pray and we don't feel like we did anything. But it's not about how you feel. It's not about what you see. I'm not saying we're going to pray and then we're going to go home, turn the news on, we're going to find out that somebody tried to go up in another school, but it was stopped. I'm not saying that. And then we can all say, hey, man, that's exciting. I'm going to show up next Tuesday, find out what we can do then. It doesn't work like that. But I'll tell you this, our prayer is powerful and our prayer will affect something. We just have to get here and do it. And so that's what we're doing for the entire month of January. And I don't know that we'll stop in January. God hasn't told me that, but I know he told me this. In January, every Tuesday night, beginning with the very first day of the year, I can't think of a better way to start the year than to pray for our nation. We're going to be here from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. I'm going to be here the whole time. I'm not saying you have to be here the whole time. I'll be honest with you. If I wasn't the pastor, I don't know that I'd be here the whole time, every time. But I will be here for three hours in this sanctuary praying because our nation needs it. I don't know if you have caught on to that yet, but we need it. This city needs it. Valdosta needs it. And this is why we're here. Is praying the only thing we'll ever do? No. We'll do things in this city, outreaches, to get the word out, to get a better gospel, to get people out of darkness into light. But prayer is where we're going to start, and we're going to do that. January 1st, because we are the light of the world. 1 John chapter 2, I'm going to close with this. 1 John chapter 2. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. He who says he abides in him, who's him, the light, Jesus, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. This is our responsibility. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you right now that there's a standard that we must rise to. And you know me as your pastor, that there is no one on the face of this planet that wants to see you rise to your potential. I'm not saying we won't deal with things. I'm not saying we won't have issues. But I want to get us out of practicing things into quitting things. It's what you practice that kills you. 
It's what, the, it's what you practice. It's what you do and you say, well, it's all right, God will forgive me, as you're doing it. It's what you do and you say, well, you know, he knows. I, this is just one thing. I, I, can't, I can't kick this. I can't kick this. No, he's calling us to rise above that. It's I've got stuff that I'm kicking, but I'm not practicing it. Quitting it is the difference. There's people that quit things every day because they picked it up the next day. And so they have to quit it again. And he's saying, practice truth. Look, this will be that church. I'll go ahead and tell you. And if that's not where you want to be, then I'm sorry. But I have a higher standard as a pastor. I'm not saying I'm going to be diving into your lives and trying to find out what you're all about and what you're doing, but I'm here to get people to live by this. As if you abide in him, then you walk just as he walked. Why do I care so much? Why does God care so much about what I'm doing? He knows I love him. He knows that I care about him. I mean, I said the prayer. I believe he died on the cross. Why does he care so much? Because if you're in darkness, you can't get anyone in the light. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. As he is, so are we in the world. I'm telling you, there's times that I wish that verse wasn't in there. I know it sounds like a lot, to live up to what Jesus did and who he was. But he had the same choices, same decisions that we have to make on a daily basis. Well, he doesn't know me. He was the son of God. He was flesh. He was man. He had a will. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. And he said that. He said, I don't do my own will. He can't make that statement if he doesn't actually have a will. But he had something beyond his will that drove him, and that was his purpose. My purpose is to lead men out of darkness into light. So I got to be the light. I got to be the light that's going to get people to the light. I got to be the light that's going to get people out of darkness. So I don't have time to live in darkness myself. I don't have time to practice sin practice darkness because I am the light of the world and that's what you and I have to say ushers we can get the light please look this is what happened Jesus left his church with the responsibility of leading people out of darkness into the light that's you and I Jesus left 
the responsibility. He left the responsibility of leading people out of darkness and into light. His star-